So today we're going to jump right into the Word. And at the end of the, the message, I'm going to try to keep it short and, and uh, to the point. Then we're going to enter into worship again. And I'm going to welcome you to come and just enter in with all your heart. And say, Lord, here I am. I want to experience Your presence today. I want to talk to you today about what God is looking for in worship. What God is looking for in worship. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. What God is looking for in worship. There's three words that I want to focus on today. And we're going to come to those in this passage. But they tell us exactly what God desires in worship. When we, when we ask ourselves that question, sometimes we think, well, God just wants us to stroke His ego. He created us to worship Him, so He must just want us to worship Him, makes Him feel good. And nothing could be further from the truth. And I want us to understand why God calls us to worship. As a young boy, I grew up in church. I was at church every service. My mom brought me to church. I fell asleep on the pew. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was there Wednesday. If we had special services, I was at every one. Whenever the doors were open, my mom would bring me to church. And there's one thing that I learned from her in that worshiping God must be a priority in my life. And I want to tell you today, church, every one of us worships something. We're either going to worship our Creator and our Savior and our Lord, or we're going to worship something else. Something else is going to take that place in our life. It may be fame. It may be fortune. It can even be a person. But you're going to worship something because God created us that way. And so I want to dive into this passage today as we think about what God really wants from us in worship. We see all through the Bible, we've been doing a series on pursuit. This church is a church that pursues the heart of God. We pursue the Lord. Amen? One person like that. Amen? We, we want to have a heart like David. David, God said of him, and he didn't say this of anyone else, David is a man after my own heart. And I want to be that kind of man. And then he explains it in, in Acts. He said, we talked about it last week. He says, he's a man after my own heart. He does everything according to my will. He, he does what I want him to do. That's, that's, that's the heart behind it. Now we know David wasn't perfect. He stumbled. He fell. But he had a heart that wanted to please God and wanted to do God, things God's way. Amen? And David tells us in Psalm 29 and 2, he says, Give unto the Lord the glory that is due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. That's just one area in Scripture where we're called to be worshipers. David says, come on and join me and give Him the glory that's due His name. Worship the beauty of His holiness today. 
And so he invites us to join him. It's interesting, there's been an awakening in worship during my lifetime. I shared earlier that I grew up on the on the pews. And and I want you to to hear this church, there's been a dramatic transformation in worship through my lifetime. When I was a little boy, we would sing three hymns, open the three different hymns and we'd sing them. And don't get me wrong, we were worshiping, we loved Jesus, we were singing to praise him. But we'd sing about three songs and close the book and that would be that the end of that style of worship. Worship goes on though. Worship, worship goes from our giving. Like Pastor Todd was saying, worship also goes in the Word of God. But worship has changed. There's an intimacy. There's an awakening and, and to what I'm going to share with you today that is taking place in the body of Christ. There's an explosion of worship taking place in various different denominations where people are hungry for God. It's not a denominational thing. It's a heart thing. It's a hunger thing. And there's only one caution that I have that I've encountered. It's that people get caught up in worship and get excited to the extent that they begin to worship worship itself instead of worshiping our King and our Savior and our Lord. So as we pursue God, let's keep the the main thing the main thing. It's about Him. Amen? It's about Jesus. Look at Exodus chapter 25, verse 1 with me. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Now jump down to verse 8. It tells us why God was asking them to give an offering. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary, now listen to this, that I may dwell among them. God wanted to receive an offering so that they could build a tabernacle so that they would have a place that he could dwell and, and, and they could encounter his presence. Now verses 3-7 through seven give us a list of the things that they were to bring for the purpose of building the tabernacle. And this is the first structure that God designs. I want you to think about that. God said, this is the place, this is how I want you to build it, and this is where I'm going to dwell and you're going to encounter me. He wanted them to follow His patterns. We commonly refer to it as the tabernacle of Moses. Now look at verse 3 with me. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze. These precious metals indicated that the people were to bring something of substance, something that, would, that cost them, something that would show the worth of God. I want you to think about that. So many times we misunderstand. We, we think that when we give offerings, it's simply to keep the lights on and keep the heat on to, to you know, help with ministry. The main reason we give is because our God is worthy. Come on, church. He's worthy! Amen. 
He created us. He gave us life. He died on the cross that we could have a relationship with Him and have eternal life. He's given us every good and perfect gift. says it comes down from the Father of lights. God has blessed us. He is worthy of all our worship. And that's why we give. They were giving and showing that God is worthy. And when a church understands that, there will be more than enough to bless and to minister. I thank God that our church has grown in this area. This year we were able to give over $30,000 to missions. Praise the Lord! That's huge for us. Six years ago, there was a handful of people in this auditorium and we could barely pay the electric bill and the heat bill. There were times I would get down on my knees and cry out to God saying, Lord, we need the heat and electricity. <laughs> Lord, provide. And God came through. But I'm also excited. Not only did we give uh, $30,800 to missions, this year we gave almost $25,000 for benevolence. That's helping people right here in Wasilla that needed help. And that's a God thing, amen? But church, I never want you to, to think that that's the main thing when we give, when we bring of our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. It is coming with a heart that says, Lord, You are worthy of all that I have and all that I am. And I give You, Lord, just a token of what You bless me with. Amen. He's worthy. Look at verse 4. It says, Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair. Ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood. Now it's interesting, the colors that God chooses. The color blue historically has to do with the sky or the heavens. It has to do with God, deity. Purple has to do with royalty. And scarlet points us to the precious blood that would be shed. So there's a message even in the colors that a divine king was going to come and shed his blood. But these things were used in the construction of the tabernacle, the tent. It was portable. It was movable because they were wandering through the wilderness. But there's a beautiful picture here, and I want you to grasp this. When they would come in under the tent, they were coming under the covering of God. They were coming with their hearts open. They were coming and saying, Lord, I submit to You and to Your rule, Lord, to what You want, Your administration of my life. And church, when we come together in this place, we are coming together. It's not a tent, but it is a place that God has blessed us with. He has built. He has enabled us to have this place. And it's so that His presence can dwell here. We come under the covering of, of God and we welcome Him. Lord, we say we come with open hearts. Lord, we want Your kingdom rule. We want You, Lord, to guide and direct our hearts and our lives. Amen? Every time we come through the doors, we may not realize it, but in a sense, that is exactly what we're saying. Is that good? Lord, how many want to come under His covering and say, Lord, I come with an open heart? 
Lord, I need Your rule in my life. I need Your guidance, Your direction, Your presence. I love that. Now look at verse 6 and verse 7. Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. The ephod was a, like an apron that would, that would come on the front and also come on the back and it would be tied around. It was beautiful and, and uh, very ornate. And it was, the play, it, was, it was over the priest and then over that would come the breastplate. It was beautiful. And the oil here speaks of the anointing for the leadership. So there's three things that I want to see right now. First of all, the whole congregation is to worship because the Lord is worthy. Secondly, everyone gives, to, everyone gives themselves to come under the covering of the Lord. And third, worship, listen to this, worship is sustained where there is anointed leadership. That's powerful, church. In other, the, in other words, the leadership recognizes that they must be attached to the vine. That we can do nothing without, without Him. That we need His presence, His anointing on our lives. I love that. I recognize that. And, and leaders, I've encountered leaders that were striving to lead in their own ability. Church, I learned a long time ago, I don't have what it takes. The only way that I can be a pastor, the only way that I can minister is if I come to Him and say, Lord, I surrender to You and I invite Your anointing on my life. Your equipping, Your power to enable me to do exactly what You call me to do. And where you have anointed leadership, they're worshipers and they invite others to come along and worship Him as well. Church, every church that's going to go forward must have leadership that hungers for the anointing of God on their lives. That's how worship is sustained. The priest's breastplate also indicates something very powerful and I want you to get this. It was it was over the, the priest's heart. And it didn't only signify their love for God, it signified their love for His people. A, a pastor who's going to be the, the pastor that God's called him to be will not just have a love for God, he will love God's people. He will sacrifice himself for the people. He will, he will love them like God loves them. And sadly, I've encountered pastors through the years that didn't have that kind of love. I've encountered eloquent pastors that were great orators that could develop great messages of preaching or teaching. I've encountered pastors that had various wonderful gifts, but they didn't love the people. And the people in the congregation suffered because of it. And church... I may not be the greatest orator. I may not be the greatest 
preacher, but I tell you, nobody's going to love you more than I love you. Nobody's going to love you even more than I love you because God has given me that love. That's the anointing of God. That's His presence and His power equipping us. And church, I want you to experience everything that God has for you. In chapters 25 through 40, we have specific instructions about the tabernacle, about the furniture, about how it was to be designed and built and everything was to be laid out. And again, we we talked about this last week. God has established uh, principles and patterns. And God doesn't intend for us just to come into His presence and bebop our way in. Hey God, here I am, man. I came to meet with you. And some people have that attitude. They think it doesn't matter how we come into this presence, how, how we live our lives. And church, God has established patterns. And when He has established patterns and we apply those in our lives, guess what? Everything works. You want to know how to be the best employee? Pattern yourself after God's Word. You want to be the best employer? Pattern yourself after God's Word. You want to be the best husband or wife? Pattern yourself after God's Word. You want to be the best you can be? Pattern yourself after God's Word. Don't don't take for granted, this is how I do this, or this is how I do that. Say, Lord, I want to do it according to Your Word, according to Your pattern, because I desire Your blessing to flow into my life. And look at verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show, that, that, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings, just so you shall make it. Church, the Lord just really pressed this into my heart the last few weeks. Because I see so many times when we think we can do things better than God. But God, I've got this idea. This sounds great. God, I want to do it this way. And God says, I've already given you the best way. How many want the best way? I want the best way. So we follow God's patterns. And it's not because God's a dictator, although He has every right to be because He created us. But He's a benevolent God that loves us And he says, I have given you the patterns to follow because this is the best. In the New Testament, we're given patterns as well. Amen? Patterns to live our lives by. It's interesting to me, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, we've all heard this. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. God's giving us a pattern. He's saying, you need to come together in a group. You need to come together and worship me and come together. Why? Because there's a spiritual dynamic that takes place. In the verse right before that, it says, let us consider one another. So we come together not thinking about ourselves, but thinking about the other person in order to stir up love and good works. I come to the Lord's house because I want to stir up Pastor Nick. Right? 
I want to stir up God in you. I want the love of Jesus to be stirred up in you. I want you to be the man of God God's called you to be in every way. I want His Word to penetrate your heart. I want God to give you fresh revelation and understanding. I want you to be a mighty man of God that shakes up this state. He wants us to speak in encouragement to one another. He wants us to build one another up. When you come to church, it's not just for you. God still wants us to come and to minister to one another. And He says so much the more so as you see the day approaching. Church, a lot of times we forget about the fact that Jesus said, I'm coming soon. With everything that's taking place in the world today, I have no doubt we're really close. We're getting close. Amen? All the signs are there. We're looking at the signs. And Jesus is going to return. We need to come together. We need to, and when we come under, under, uh, into the church together, again, we're doing the same thing that God was calling them to do in, in the uh, tabernacle. We're coming under the presence of God. We're saying, Lord, here's my heart. It's open for you. I want whatever you want. I want your rule in my life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Church, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Who is our righteousness? It's Jesus. So it's not just a desire to do the right things that God's called us to do. We hunger and thirst for Jesus. In verses 10 through 20, it gives details regarding how the Ark of the Covenant was to be built. and the, the Ark of the Covenant was a token of God's presence. A physical token. Within it, the Ten Commandments were going to be placed. In verse 21 it says, You shall put the mercy seat on top of the Ark, and in the Ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. Then look at verse 22. And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from the mercy seat. Why do we worship? Why does God call us to worship? Because He wants to dwell among us. Because He wants to meet with us individually. And because He wants to speak to every one of us. Amen? I love that. So notice those three things. God says, I want to dwell among them. I will meet you there. And He says, I will speak to you. And notice He says, I'm going to speak to you from above the mercy seat. I love that. God doesn't say, I'm going to be a booming, thundering voice from heaven. He says, I'm going to speak to you from the mercy seat. The place where the blood would be sprinkled that points to the blood of Jesus that would be shed. God speaks to us today in mercy. Are you thankful for that? The word mercy in the original language means compassionate, forgiving, showing mercy to those who do not deserve it. Aren't you thankful God shows us mercy? Because none of us deserve it. 
It's where the blood of Jesus would be shed. And God's saying, I'm speaking you to you out of a heart that loves you, a heart that wants to forgive every sin, a heart that wants to show you how much I love you and that my Son died for you. So these three words, let's look at them quickly and I'm going to end. Dwell. God says, I want to dwell here. He wants His presence to be experienced. He wants to do life with you. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whether you're on a four-wheeler out in the bush, or whether you're in your car driving to Anchorage to work, whether you're in your home, wherever we gather together, God wants you to know, I want to dwell with you. Church, in His presence is fullness of joy. If you're struggling with discouragement and depression and anxiety, you need to experience the presence of God. Welcome Him to dwell where you are. To dwell in your life. Because today we are that tabernacle. Amen? Where the presence of the Lord is, there's not only joy, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's salvation, there's provision, there's everything that we need in the presence of the Lord. Can I get an amen? That's why he says, worship because I want to dwell there with you. Secondly, he says, not only does he want to dwell, he wants to meet with us personally. How many like that idea? How many have ever gone out with a friend or somebody to have coffee together? Most of us have. Most of us have, even if we don't like coffee. I grew up never drinking coffee, and I had a dear friend who became a dear friend. He came to church years ago, and he said, he said Pastor Mill, I really love the church and love the, the Word going forth. And he said, there's only one thing that's keeping me from joining this church. I said, what's that? He said, I don't think I can trust a pastor who doesn't drink coffee. I immediately turned around. It was at a fellowship after church. I turned around and said, Terry, get me a cup of coffee. And every Thursday after that, I would pick him up and we would go to Captain's Coffee in Homer. And we would sit down in the morning and we would fellowship and we would have coffee together. I still to this day don't drink coffee very often. I, I can take it or leave it. And if I take it, I want a mocha. I want lots of chocolate and lots of cream on top. So it's not about the coffee, but guess what? We met face to face. We became close, intimate friends. I looked him right in the eyes, and he looked me in the eyes, and we, we solved all the problems in the world. With one word, Jesus. And so that's what Jesus wants to do with us. That's why we worship. Because He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to come and meet just with you. Hallelujah! It's not just a corporate worship. When we corporately begin to worship, guess what? The Holy Spirit's moving. He says, Nick, I want to meet with you. He says, Jessica, I want to meet with you. He says, Sam, I want to meet with you. He goes down the line. AJ, I want to meet with you. He wants to meet with us intimately. 
face to face. That's why we worship. That's why He calls us to worship. And finally, He wants to speak to us. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice. Church, I want you to know God will speak to you. He is speaking to you. And in worship is a wonderful opportunity as we meet Him face to face that God will speak directly to you. Years ago as a young pastor, I would have people come up to me and they'd say, Pastor, that, that, that message just really spoke to me. And I'd say, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I'd say, what, what did God speak to you? And a lot of times it was something that wasn't in my notes. It's something that I hadn't prepared. It was something that in, it, during the, the message, the Holy Spirit would just download, and I would, I would share that, and I'd go, wow, God, that was good. Where'd that come from? <laughs> wasn't me. But God would begin to speak to people. And I got so excited. I realized God's greater than my mistakes. And, and I may not be a great orator, but God's still going to speak to His people. Amen. And finally, I want the worship team to come. Finally, in Exodus chapter 40, they've completed the tabernacle. And I want you to hear this. Exodus 40 verse 33. This is the result when they were finishing building by the pattern of God for worship. And He raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then, did you hear that? Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God wants us to worship because He wants to dwell here with us. Because He wants to meet us. Because He wants to speak to us. And because He desires for us to experience His glory. In Isaiah 42 and 8, God says that He will not share His glory with the heathen idols. That He will not share His glory with people that don't want to have anything to do with Him. But in John chapter 17, verse 22, Jesus said, And the glory which you gave me, He's speaking to the Father, the glory which you gave me, Heavenly Father, I have given them that they may be one just as we were one. He wants us to experience His glory. Amen? He wants us to experience His glory. And on Isaiah chapter 60, it's a prophetic chapter speaking of the church day. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen. So we worship that we might experience His glory. I want you to stand with me.